0: Welcome to Reaching for Words, a podcast series from the team at Spanish Obsessed. I'm your host, Rob Ashby. In these podcasts, I'll be uncovering language learning strategies and tips, and we'll discuss how language learners of all levels and abilities can accelerate in their journey towards fluency. We'll learn from renowned polyglots, language technology experts, academics, and language learners all around the world to discover how they approach their language learning. In this, our first episode, I'm delighted to welcome a phenomenal polyglot to the show, Luca Lampariello from lucalampariello.com. Luca, who speaks 13 languages, shares his tips with me about how he achieved almost a native level of proficiency in a staggering six languages. Without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Our guest today is another impressive polyglot who speaks an incredible 13 languages. At the last count, are there any more? No, still, no, still 13 Thirteen is, uh, yeah, 13 is, is great, okay. <laughs> that's exactly how it is. So not only does he just speak them, but with many of those languages, he's achieved a truly staggering level of fluency and a native-like pronunciation. So Luca Lampariello, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you for inviting me here. So are you still learning languages? I mean, are you happy with your 13? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I'm still learning.
1: Um, I started learning Greek uh, six months ago, but then I, uh, I quit for a little bit, but I'm just going to go back to it. Mm-hmm. I think learning is a, a never-ending process, so I don't think I'll ever stop learning new languages. Um, and, I mean, like, I'm content. I'm happy that I speak 13 languages, yeah. but I think that uh, what really counts for me is, like, keep learning new things every day, so uh, I will learn other languages and other things in my life hopefully
0: i have to say 13 languages do you do you have kind of a similar level of fluency in all of them i, I can't imagine that would be the case but i know i've heard your spanish and obviously your english is great so <laughs> um no i would definitely say that i have different levels of fluency
1: okay. in all of them uh, there are i call them the the core languages there are six languages <clears throat> which i speak i think uh well mhm Uh, or really well, depending on on the standard. Mm. Um, And I would say that Italian, Italian is my mother tongue, that I speak English, French, Spanish, German. And I would say I would add Russian as well as languages that are mine. Uh Uh, There's a difference between speaking a language and speaking a language almost like a native speaker. Now, I don't speak exactly like a native speaker, but I think that the impression that I have when I speak these languages is that somehow I made them mine. I mm. embraced them in a way. I have this like language feeling. Uh, and so I consider these six languages, languages, languages that I speak really well. There's other languages which I speak fluently, but mm. not as fluently as these six. And then there are languages I um, I, I, have a, not a smattering of, but mm. for example, Hungarian, I'm learning it's a never, never ending process, and they speak it, but they still don't speak it fluently or as I define fluency.
0: Yeah, I've heard Hungarian is a pretty tough language. <laughs>
1: it's a tough nut to crack, as they yeah, say.
0: Yeah, definitely. So it's kind of a, a lifelong journey if you're learning these languages. Um, do you think there's any kind of upper limit of how many you, you actually kind of want, or you're just going to keep going? And you're just enjoying the process?
1: I think I'm just going to enjoy the process. I I don't know what is going to happen in my life. I just know that I'm – I always like – I love saying actually that it's not me. Uh, I don't choose languages. Languages choose me. So it might happen that I'm going to Thailand in a couple of years and then i got to fall in love with the Thai language and I will want to learn Thai. It doesn't matter how many languages I speak. I always say that there's no real limit to what the human mind can do when they say that we have more neurons in our brain Mm. than – stars in the galaxy it, it it just gives you a measure of how how the, of our the human potential of how many languages we can actually learn not just me as a polyglot or as an experienced language learner but everybody can learn a staggering amount of languages now the problem is that we're limited in space and time that's mm-hmm. our limit so <clears throat> but apart from that uh the only thing i would say is no, i'm not going to count languages i don't think that languages are something you can count there's something you have to live and learn All right uh, And then i'll I'll keep going and and uh and god knows what's going to happen in the future but yes the principle is um learning is a never-ending process it's in the personal like in the pursuit of a better self i want to improve every day and i do it through languages and through other things so i'll never stop learning and and uh, it doesn't matter how many languages uh, i speak in the end the important thing is to speak them
0: that's an incredible and i think motivating thought for everyone as well one of the things that really strikes me when i listen to you in the languages that I do understand, which is primarily English and Spanish, is your, your level of spoken fluency. So I guess, you know, you call these the languages which you've made yours. I've checked out videos of you, I think they're quite old videos now, in fact, of you speaking Spanish. So that was incredibly impressive. Um, I think it's, it's not just that you speak it, but like you said, almost like a, a native level of fluency. Um, so there's kind of a, an, a frictionless and an effortlessness in your speaking. And I think that's why I'm so excited to have you on the show today. And what I'd like to focus on in our conversation, if it's okay with you, is basically how to speak well. <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> it's a it's big a, topic.
1: It's a, it's a big topic. It's a really interesting one. Um, yeah, no, it's really interesting. I'm glad we're going to have a conversation about this. I love yeah. talking about this.
0: Yeah, well, I think, I think everyone knows the importance of speaking. You know, there's lots of polyglots and, lang- and well-known language learners say, you know, Speak from day one, it's, it's the biggest, the primary skill, um, it's the most important skill, and it's without, one of, it's without doubt, it's one of those areas where people struggle the most. You know, our, our audience really struggles with speaking, and I think we can all relate to that. So my first question, this is a pretty loaded question, but what <laughs> do, you, do you think of the kind of components or maybe necessary skills that go into getting really good spoken fluency in a language?
1: Let me first say that this is a this is something that everybody can achieve, and we were we are wired to speak foreign languages, and the mere fact that you uh, unless you have some kind of problems, but all of us reach a native-like fluency in a language. Have you ever thought about that? I was like, okay, if I if sometimes people uh, complain about the fact that they can't reach a native-like level or a very high level of fluency in a foreign language, but the reality is they have already achieved that in their own native language so Mm -hmm. we're all able we all have the potential of reaching very good uh fluency in
0: any other language so we've all got the language gene definitely
1: we we do i mean we 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 are wired Mm -hmm. to speak uh one two three languages if you take a look at countries like luxembourg Mm -hmm. uh, or other countries in africa or countries in india it's uh actually natural let's let's focus for example on one specific country luxembourg um People normally speak four, four or five languages. For example, um, port- immigrants for Portuguese families that, who happen to live in um, in Luxembourg, they happen to speak Luxembourgish, mm-hmm. French, German, English, and Portuguese. Are they smarter than the others? Mm-hmm. No. It's just circumstances that created mm-hmm. polyglots, let us say, or multilingual people. So this is the first thing, and it's a very important principle. You should never, you should never doubt the fact that you can speak multiple languages and, and reach fluency. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a psychological component. People tend to uh, think and factor in things such as, okay, you have to have this method, you have to have that thing in place, but first and foremost, it's a, speaking a language well is also um, a psychological matter. This is the first thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing is that, have you ever heard of this famous 10,000-hour rule? <laughs> yeah. You know, in order to reach uh, to reach fluency, to reach or to acquire impressive, staggering skills in in whatever it is, music, languages, etc., you have to put the time. That's true. And but it's 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 true and it's not true. Mm-hmm. Meaning, what you have to have in order to reach fluency, you have to know and you have to be conscious of the fact that in order to uh, reach a very good level, you have to have a mindset in which you constantly strive to for improvement. You, the, your constant quest for improvement causes you to learn and do things that you can't actually do every single day. That is, yeah. when uh, when people get stuck and they start learning a language, they reach a B1 level or they reach an intermediate level, and all of a sudden they get stuck is because they keep doing the same things over and over mm-hmm. being more specific when it comes to speaking what you have to do is that you have to try to do things that you first like a lot enjoy yeah but yeah. then the second thing that you have to it's a little bit trickier is that you have to uh, start doing things that you cannot do and improve and try to do other things when you get stuck and when you reach a higher level so let me give you a very quick example when you start learning a language um one of the things that you can do when you speak is just to talk about very simple things, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, where are you from? Why are you learning English? Why are you learning French? Um, very simple. What what is your job? Very simple things. But then if you repeat this, if you do this all the time and then after maybe two two, two weeks doing the same, talking about the same things, you reach a certain level, but then you get stuck because you don't improve. So you have to find a way to keep improving in a progressive way. Now the tricky part of this is that if you make your life too difficult, if you try to say things, if you try to tackle a certain topic and you don't know anything about the topic, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or you're making your life uh, too complicated. So you have to find a balance between something that is um, not as easy as it was. Otherwise, you're not your learning potential. Uh, gradient, so to say, is is going to is gonna lower, it's going to get lower, but you have to find something that is challenging enough so that you're challenging your brain to learn. So the 10,000 rule, 10,000 hour rule is, uh, put the time, invest the time every single day, mm-hmm. speak, but also you have to know what to say, how to say it, and when to say it, and that really makes a difference in your learning progression, so
0: to say. So not just the, the quantity, but the quality of that as well. The
1: quantity, the quantity is great, but let me give you another um, another example, which I, I hope is gonna is gonna exemplify, is gonna show uh, what I mean. Let's take student A and student B. Uh, student A thinks that the quantity is everything, and if he speaks the language, he will end up speaking the language. So he organizes a speaking session with his or her tandem every single day, one hour. Doesn't record the conversation. Doesn't prepare anything. Um, just talks listens, doesn't get feedback or gets feedback, but doesn't write it down. And student B uh, has just two sessions a week. so not seven sessions a week, not yeah. every day, but he prepares the lesson. He chooses the topic to talk about. He ponders and things of ways to improve or how to use new vocabulary, then has the lesson, then records a lesson and listens to the lesson a couple of days later. So he has, let's say, the first lesson on Monday, one hour, uh, but you have 30 minutes of preparation the same day. Mm-hmm. And then on Wednesday, he rec- he listens to the lesson again for, for for one hour. Then he has another one on Friday, and he has a recording. He listens to the recording on Sunday. So he spends less time, but he distributes time, and and he knows he puts quality in his learning, mm-hmm. his or her learning. That makes a huge difference, and that's how... I have been preparing my students um, for coaching lessons, and also preparing myself for Hungarian. This is exactly what I do. Mm. I prepare the lessons. I think I've been talking about interstellar travel in Hungarian. I mean, <laughs> something that if you think about, it, it's like how is that possible? Like after after one year, I was talking about uh, about um, I don't know about landing on the moon, landing on Mars, or seeing other planets. How do you do that? Well, you prepare and you know exactly how to do, uh, how to do that. Yeah. You know, Even yeah. the
0: most complicated
1: things can be broken down into simple, th- simple steps and it can
0: make a huge difference. It's really interesting what you're saying and this is something I've heard from a number of different polyglots. Is, is something you've all got in common is that you're extremely conscientious about what you're doing. You're extremely deliberate and most importantly, I think, taking responsibility so obviously, you decided that you wanted to talk about interstellar travel. You kind of dictated your own language learning path there.
1: That's very well put. That's exactly what happens. You take. I. I believe that everybody should take full responsibility of their own learning. If you think according to this, it, it sh- there should be a paradigm shift, and this is what I try mm-hmm. to convey uh, all the time. When when I first meet students, they come from um, this heritage of years and years of school where they're passive learners. You have to take full responsibility of your own learning and you have to know and you have to do what you want. So um, it happened many times that a student came to me for the first time and said, you know what, Luca, this is really interesting because every time I uh, I have a conversation with a tutor, what they have me do is just like, Either reading a text out loud or just giving give me grammar explanations, a conversation. If you're talking to a tutor, what you should do mm-hmm. is you should talk, and you should talk about things you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. So um, you shouldn't let the other person dictate what you have to do, what you have to talk about. And if you take res- full responsibility of your own learning – Um, I think it makes a a world of difference. Now, polyglots are experienced language learners. They know exactly uh, what they want. So I think that my responsibility as a tutor, as an educator in general, is to tell people, people, just talk and do what you want. The other person, be it a tutor, a tandem, another language learner, whatever, is going to be a checker, a, a, a guy or a girl who's going to give you feedback about what you do. But if you prepare, if you know and enjoy a certain topic that you want to talk about, then things are going to get much faster and, and much quicker. Sometimes, to add just on a final note, it's funny when people say, oh, you learn languages by yourself? As if <laughs> learning languages by yourself without going to school were kind of weird. It's actually, if you know how to do things, it goes much, much faster yeah. than in, in institution, within the realm of institutions where they actually slow you down because uh-huh, they dictate uh-huh. what you have to do, what you have to say.
0: Okay, well, that's um, incredibly helpful and definitely interesting to see, you know, how you share that with so many other successful language learners as well. Um, Just kind of going back to speaking purely as a skill, do you think that that can speaking exist in separation as a skill which can be be developed on its own? Or is it completely dependent on your overall sort of knowledge and, and capability in a language?
1: It it actually by listening to it, I have two separate uh, two separate answers. Okay. So, so the first the first answer is, first of all, speaking has to do. There are actually three answers. There's three <laughs> answers to this. The first thing that I would say that is not, uh, that is, might sound trite, but I don't think it is triv- that trivial, is that in order to speak a language, a foreign language well, I think you should master your own language first. Your own language always serves as a, you're leveraging your knowledge, especially when it comes to speaking languages which are really similar as an Italian, for example, speak in Spanish. Yeah. If I am a very good speaker of Italian, and it's not granted, even if you're a native speaker, doesn't mean, doesn't make you necessarily a good speaker speaker or a good communicator if you are in your own native language that's going to help you hugely so if you want to become a very good speaker in a foreign language and if you're not a good speaker and communicator in your own start with your own because it's easier train with your own language and there's all sorts of training uh, trainings you can do to do to achieve that, and then move on to another language. If you're not a good communicator in your own native language, it's going to be more difficult to become a very good communicator in a foreign language. Right. That's the first. Okay. That's the first answer that came when when I when I heard your question. The second one is the fact that. Uh, When it comes to speaking, it is true that there are no shortcuts, as they say. In order to become a good speaker, you have to speak. You have to speak Mm -hmm. a lot, and you have to put deliberate effort so that you can improve the things I was referring to uh, before. But you have to remember that uh, the four skills, speaking, listening, reading, and writing, are all interdependent Mm -hmm. and interconnected. So if you want to become a good speaker, you have to factor in these four uh, four skills, and you have to try to develop these four skills in parallel, so that they mutually will mutually reinforce each other. Just to give you an example, reading provides a lot of vocabulary, passive mm-hmm. vocabulary that you can use when it comes to speaking. When you, this is the impression I had, and I still will do, when I read a book, a very, uh, a very thick book for hours and hours, um, for for a period of say one week then I can definitely tell that there's some turmoil in my head. And I, I know, oh, all these words are actually contributing, which I, uh, which I was acquiring through the channel of the, the eyes, so mm-hmm. through sight, are contributing actually to the potential of speaking. So reading, listening, reading and listening at the same time, and even writing contrib- contrib- contribute to speaking. On the mm-hmm. other hand, speaking... When you speak, you actually reinforce reading because you understand how certain pieces of information of the language are used, and you look at it from a different perspective. It's just like wanting to conquer a castle, if you always try to ram the, the, the main door, what's gonna happen is that the enemy is gonna, the, your foe is gonna figure it out. It's a weak strategy. Well, if you attack it from multiple angles, all these angles are just gonna mutually reinforce each other. they are different parts of the army Conquering the castle.
0: I like that. I like that.
1: So that's the second thing um, that I that they came to my mind. And the third thing is that your knowledge as a person, which relates to what you do, I always say, read people, read as much as you can Mm -hmm. in 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 your own language, in your foreign language, in your foreign language, because the more knowledge you have, the more dots you have that you can actually connect. So. Uh, sometimes for example when you're having to give you a very concrete example if if you know if you're knowledgeable about a certain thing in your own native language that actually will help you when it comes to speaking about that specific topic or those specific topics in a foreign language mm-hmm. because you already know not only the vocabulary but also the mechanisms the kind of things that are going to happen when you talk about that uh some facts so the more knowledge you have about the world the more books you read in your own native language and obviously in foreign languages, that all is going to contribute to acquiring uh, fluency faster in other languages.
0: Okay, so very much a holistic approach, really.
1: Uh, Absolutely holistic.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, I think, you know, a lot of what we read, um, you know, from successful language speakers um, and kind of academics about getting good at speaking is like you said, you know, there's, there's no substitute for just doing it. I completely accept that. But at the same time, in the real world, you know, a lot of people are very limited in terms of conversation partners. I know there's apps they can jump on Skype and so on. There's there's kinds of ways around that. But still people, you know, we have to accept that people sometimes will struggle to find conversation partners. Do you think that there's a way that people can practice speaking without actually being in a conversation with someone else?
1: Oh, that's a very, very good and interesting question. Uh, let me first address the first part of the question. Mm-hmm. I would say that on the one hand, it's true that sometimes it's difficult to find uh, to find uh, partners, tandems. Uh, it depends also on the language, on uh, mm-hmm. geographical position, um, and that's true. But I think the limits of our mind are the limits of our world, and I think that if you really want to and put the effort, there are ways to find. Right. Uh, to find partners um, while I, I accept and I think it's true that finding sometimes partners is difficult uh, but once again never lose hope and always believe in your possibilities the second uh, the second part of the question which is really interesting is yes definitely there is big value and enormous value actually in um, in what you do uh, by yourself mm-hmm. and if you don't find a conversation partner what I always do and think some people think uh, I'm crazy but uh, <laughs> <laughs> attributed to my, uh, to my fluency is that I literally talk to myself. Uh-huh. Whatever the situation, whenever it is, and when I feel like talking to myself, I just choose one language and practice. Now, the way you do it counts. It's always about deliberate practice. You can do it in a, and there's a wonderful, um, there's a wonderful course uh, on Coursera. I don't know if you've ever heard about that, on learning how to learn. There are basically okay. two modes of learning which is deliberate and natural. The deliberate is one sitting down with the specific aim of learning. The natural one is like making, you know, making it happen. Uh, just one example: um, if you're deliberately learning to speak better, you're sitting down with a tandem, you choose a topic, you talk about it, you try to say things you cannot say, and you get feedback. On the other, on the other hand, natural speaking is just. Grabbing a, a pint of beer with your friends and talking mm-hmm. and whatever comes, comes. These are uh, two different modes, and I think both are really important. One is to relax and keep, keep being motivated, the other one is to run a little bit faster uh, towards the peak of the mountain. Having said that, when it comes to speaking by yourself, you can do it in two mm-hmm. modes the natural mode, so just speaking for the sake of speaking to yourself, or the del- deliberate mode. So, what I, a piece of advice that I can give, and I can give both modes so that they can alternate them. Uh-huh. If you want to, uh, to improve your fluency, first of all, speaking to yourself is fantastic for uh, muscle articulation, articulation yeah. of sounds. But also it's great because you're just practicing and imagining situations mm-hmm. that are going to be like real scenarios, real situations where you can practice your skills. For example, you can imagine going to the grocery shop. You can imagine going to the supermarket. You can imagine talking to your friend about a topic you're passionate about. So all these things are great because you're going to get these like imagining questions and answers. You can get this automatic. You can do it by standing up. And moving movement is always great mm-hmm. for thought mm-hmm. and you can imagine a conversation of between three or five minutes three or five minutes where you literally talk to yourself and you can practice whatever it is as I said before um, something that people say uh, sometimes when they hear this is like you have nobody to correct you though so you right. what
0: that would be my next point yeah
1: I know they. I know you would you would you would ask me that and that is true but you can do two things. Uh, first of all, you should practice. 80% of what you do should be something you know so that you can practice and you can try to say it in different ways. Um, the other part, the 20% part, is something that you should try to say something that you cannot say so that when you can't say that, you find your own gaps and you look immediately look at things you cannot say. Mm-hmm. You can look them up directly on the on the dictionary online, you should look at the entire expression or the word in context. When it, So this is a way to discover your own gaps and to learn as a consequence of that, just with a, imagining a situation. Mm-hmm. When it comes to mistakes and things that can actually, um, you know, you might, you might retort that by doing that, you're going to reinforce mistakes. If nobody corrects you, I would say that, you can talk to yourself, and the main goal of that is actually to get your language automatic in certain situations. And then you should practice those mm-hmm. situations as soon as possible, so that when you have a native speaker, when a native speaker hears you, or you can you know, use a tandem, that person can give you feedback and say, "Okay, no, this is wrong," because if you keep doing it for 10, twenty times, that that mistake is going to solidify, fossilize. Yeah, it's going to fossilize. Exactly, that's the right word. Uh, on top of that. Technology allows us to actually create very easily to record mm-hmm. anything that we we say and just send it to someone. Yeah. There's specialized websites where you can send stuff. People can correct it. People can, uh, uh, you know, break it down, explain stuff. My suggestion is if you can find a tandem or a partner just once a week or twice a week, just talk to yourself with the aim of sending the recording. Mm-hmm. So stand up, try some rehearsals, then you... You can, you can actually send the recording. So what I would say is like you can do three things. One, if you find a tandem, one, get into the habit of talking to yourself at least three to five minutes a day. What you do every day creates excellence, mm-hmm. as Aristotle used to say, and I, I fully agree. Second thing is like create, talk to yourself maybe once or twice a week and create the recording and send it to your tandem for feedback. Tell them the kind of feedback you want, new express alternative expressions, new words, pronunciation or uh, intonation feedback about that. And third, twice a week, you should try to have a 30 minute uh, long conversation twice Mm -hmm. a week, separated Monday, Friday, Tuesday, Saturday in between record a conversation, listen to the conversation, listen to the feedback and these things together, done every single day, can make a huge difference. So, so with, those,
0: sorry, those thirty-minute conversations that would be with a partner, or like a thirty-minute monologue. With 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 a partner, well, right, right,
1: a monologue would be too long. <laughs> uh, and and uh, and that and that can make uh, that can make a huge difference. Remember, what you do every day is it really adds up, mm-hmm. and it does it does make an enormous difference. And on, as on a final note, the great thing about talking to yourself is that you have no pressure. You don't, uh, unless you put pressure on yourself because you're not, you will notice that when you're speaking to another person, your mind, your mind has different parts of your brain or dealing with different parts, with different parts of speech or different activities. So for example, when you're talking to someone, a part of your brain is thinking about the words to say, the other part is dealing with the intonation. The other part is looking at the other person and interpreting the the facial features and how that reacts and that can be a little bit distracting when mm-hmm. you're by yourself you can fully focus on your speech standing up focus on your speech and that kind of releases mm. a little bit of releases a little bit of pressure and it's a great it's a great treat you should try it I and will. you
0: should.
1: yeah oh another thing that I wanted to say yeah. is that you don't necessarily need to do this the comfort of your place as I say but you can do it everywhere when you really feel like uh, <laughs> You crave for a conversation with yourself, so to say, or you really want to talk and you say, okay, well, people are going to think I'm crazy if they hear me talk to yourself. Well, think about it like every day, every day you see people walking down the street seemingly talking to themselves. They're talking to a headset or talking on the phone. So nobody thinks it, deems it weird, not like 100 years ago. If you walk down the street, you're talking if you're wearing a headset or, and I did that and it really works if you're on the metro, you can just literally pretend to talk on the phone, which puts you a little bit of pressure because you have to be uh, intelligible. You have, you can't just say words for the sake of saying words. You have to have kind of a conversation. You can <laughs> even have to imagine what the person is saying. Something like, Hey, yeah. Um, yeah. We'll see. You. We'll see each other in 30 minutes. And then you have to take a pause because you have to pretend that the other person speaks. It's an excellent exercise. You can do it everywhere. Even if,
0: there's yeah. a lot of people around. I have a friend who did that in um, in the metro in Valencia. I think in London it might not work so well, given that you know all the tubes are underground. People would soon see through that, right? You got no mobile reception down there. Yeah, of course, <laughs> well, of course,
1: it depends on the place. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course. You know that there's no signal. You should not do that. But I mean, you could even no, no one's
0: going to mind. People no, do like, worse no things like, on the tube.
1: Like that, we are the limits of our mind. We have limits in our head. Oh, if I do that, then people are going to judge me. Well. I think speak to yourself is a very innocent activity.
0: So I think, you know, a lot of what we've been talking about so far is about building your kind of conversational knowledge and practicing conversation. Maybe a part of speaking which is often overlooked is the psychological, emotional kind of performance side of it. I have kind of a theory or a, a feeling that speaking as much as anything else is a performance. And to do it well, it kind of requires confidence, relaxation, maybe lowering inhibitions. And when I think about it, the more fluent speakers, and you know, I'd would include you in this, tend to be outgoing, extroverted people. So, how do you feel about kind of the performance and emotional, psychological aspect of speaking? And is there any anything we can do about that? It's a very
1: good question, and I think that the psychological aspect is absolutely key to speaking well. Mm-hmm. I think that the best speakers are the the people who are people who have actually learned how to master their own emotions when it comes to speaking, and they, by relaxing, uh, speaking, is, speaking is a complex activity which is, which is made of many parts. I think that, um, for example, when I speak English, what I do is that I'm able to relax my mind, mm-hmm. to uh, slow down my rhythm, and to think more clearly. Uh, and th- at the very moment that these words are coming out of my mouth, I'm already thinking next about what to say next, mm-hmm. but I think that the reason why I can do that is uh, stems from, as you were saying, uh, you were pointing out, stems from uh, a psychological work that I've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm an outgoing person, but I've never if if I think about it a little bit more and deeply, I was not as outgoing as I am now. So mm-hmm. I think that confidence is something that you build. It's not absolutely not something you are born with. And in order to build your confidence, you confidence, you have to do things and you have to face situations. So the first thing I would say is that in order to speak, you have to speak. You have to speak a lot, but you have to make things. You have to make things easier for yourself, and you have to find a way to build your confidence on the go. And that would be instead of jumping and trying to do like things that are too complicated Uh, for example let's suppose that you're starting to learn a language and all of a sudden you want to you want to give a speech to an audience i would not do that that's too complicated i would not have a conversation with multiple people with noisy background i would start from the very beginning and build brick by brick your confidence with
0: with low pressure scenarios
1: that's exactly very very well put that's the first thing the second thing is that um I think that there's a dangerous uh, it's dangerous to think in categories of outgoing and uh, people who are outgoing and people who are not yeah, because I you on that. putting your, yourself into a category of a person who has talent or doesn't have talent who's go outgoing or not outgoing you're kind of setting like building a fence for yourself saying okay I belong to this part of mm-hmm. the world and that part of the world is out of reach which I don't think is necessarily true. I've seen people change so much. I've seen people shy. Apparently shy people become stars. Or stars are mm-hmm. very outgoing people. I think that what shapes us are our genes. That's true. We are born with the genetic, uh, with 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 our, you know, I am me. It's like I was born with certain characteristics. Um, but it's also true that there's huge potential, especially when it comes to languages. If you're looking at a person <clears throat> who is short and another one who's tall, not much you can do about it yet there are things you can do but there's not much you can do about that but when it comes to uh, skills and given the plasticity of our brain Mm -hmm. i think we can we can we can achieve great things so i would not say i i would say that what i have right now is something i've built with time i was not an outgoing person Mm -hmm. i was kind of a geek actually Uh, (laughs) i kind of uh, introverted always reading uh, like and imagine at 13 I was just instead spending time at the beach playing with our kids I was just reading Aristotle that's kind of a geek. (laughs) (laughs) geek In in Greek? No 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 not at
0: that point that that came later. I was
1: was reading Cicero in Latin at 15 (laughs) but I was not I was not I was not an outgoing person in the class I was I was spending more time with myself and books than with other people then Things changed with age and with experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying that I think the potential, we can all become excellent uh, excellent speakers, excellent, excellent writers, excellent communicators in general. It's just that we have to build things mm-hmm. uh, brick by brick, believe in it. But most of all, you have to experience stuff, you have to talk to people, and you have to be conscious of the deliberate effort you're putting mm-hmm. into speaking you use the word perform performance, which is an interesting word. Uh, the problem of that word, I mean, it's not a problem. It's just a matter of definitions. But sometimes words also define your world and your vision. Mm-hmm. And we all come from the school system where we were actually, our, our act of speaking was not seen as an act of speaking, but rather an act of you know it was not seen as an act of communication it was seen as a performance because we got marks mm-hmm. given that mindset that we inherited from school every time that we, if we if we have a conversation the first time a conversation with a tutor outside of the school system we tend to think about uh, our act of speaking as an act of performance that unfortunately sucks energy because our prefrontal cortex is more focused on the performance instead of the act of instead of the mere act of communicating You will notice that when you're really excited about a given message, you're telling a compelling story, you're talking about something you love, Mm -hmm. Uh, you're communicating with a person you really like in a given circumstance, then you're not focused or or you're slightly tipsy, then what happens (laughs) is that you're not focusing on the act of performance, you're not focusing on, oh, I'm choosing this word, I'm being judged, Mm -hmm. you're totally focused on communication. And that makes a huge difference because even if your performance might not be great, or you might make mistakes, you're actually shifting. It's a paradigm shift. It's a it's a shift of a communication of channel. So you're communicating and learning from it. That's exactly what I try to train my students with. Yeah. and on. It's like don't think about the performance. Think about the act of communication. And the act a, a good act of communication starts with talking about something you like then on top of that and as a consequence of that you're going to learn because you're going to get feedback on the things you were trying to say but one while you were trying to say them you were not focused on the mistakes you might have made or you were making you were
0: merely focused
1: on the beautiful act of conveying your ideas to another human being Mm,
0: that's that's a lovely thought and i think it's super interesting what you were saying about you know the our the plasticity of our brains i think to my own experience in speaking spanish i and I'm, I might be a, a bit weird in this, but I do feel when I speak Spanish, I literally become a different person. I literally feel like I have my Spanish personality and my English personality. And sometimes I, I actually kind of prefer myself, <laughs> my Spanish personality. It's, it's, it's
1: beautiful what you said. It's, I, I, think, I think more in terms of personality, but I think I, I thought about that too. Mm-hmm. I thought that you have, we have different personalities coming out. But I think we always have the same personality. But what happens is that our personality is kind of a prison. And mm-hmm. uh, like a prism which reflects light, actually what happens is that a different side of our personality comes out. If you think about it, when I speak American English, it is as if the, the, the very same Luca here, the Italian who was born in Rome, were catapulted and were actually born and lived in the United States. What Imagine the question is, what would I... Have been if mm-hmm. I had been were born in France in the United States in a way, when I speak language, when you reach a native-like level in the language, it is like creating a, a, It's not an alternative personality, but actually showing the personality or the person you would be if you were born in another country. Uh, the reason why mm-hmm. that that is intuitively, I'm not a neuroscientist, but mm-hmm. I can actually. Um, I can imagine that, is that the reason why I'm using, for example, maybe our listeners can't see this, this is an audio interview, but the way I'm using my hands, Mm -hmm. the way I'm using my facial features, the way I'm expressing myself, the tone of voice, they derive... And they come from experiences that I have in a way, consciously and or unconsciously. I'm imitating the people I came into contact with. So the people, so the language, the sounds, the people, and the circumstances actually contributed to creating the self, the Luca in speaking American English. So we are we are shaped by the circumstances while we live, the experiences and the people, and that is reflected. In the way our way of speaking a foreign language, even if we are always the same person.
0: Oh, this is deep stuff. This is deep stuff. I like it. A lot of food <laughs> for thought there. So, I think just just to wrap things up, then, um, you know, w- what are you working on at the moment? Um, where where would you want people to connect with you? Okay, so I have I've been working
1: as you know I've been working as a language coach mm-hmm. uh, for uh, quite some time. And actually, in a few days, there's a, a new website that is coming out, which okay. is called LucaLampariello.com, okay. which is my, my name, and where people can actually find not only my blog, which was integrated, which is moved as being integrated in this new website, which will come out very, very soon. Uh-huh. And this is where I offer services of uh, coaching lessons mm-hmm. one-to-one, where people can actually, if they're really interested in, in uh speaking or learning two languages at the same time or learning other things specific this is coaching not teaching right they can find me there and so you're, they can you're find not me.
0: teaching specific languages you're teaching language learning
1: i'm or teaching co- coaching learning in specific languages so okay the advantage of that and that's the reason why i've got so many uh, so many nice people calling yeah. me and asking me for the services because i can provide these services in english french italian spanish russia so these six languages i can give articulated, uh, you know, explanations or grammar or what and whatnot. But I teach how to learn, learning how to learn in specific languages. So if you're learning how to speak better in French, we're going to do everything in French. And I'm going to explain things in English if you're an American. So that kind of, that kind of helps speak in multiple languages, mm. but it's for first and foremost, learning how to learn based on the principle, nobody can teach your language. You have to learn by yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm just a facilitator and motivator and 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 hopefully um i uh, i like and i try to to, to inspire people as much as i can because i think that's what counts on the other hand i have another website which is called lingua uh, core with a c.com uh, you know the core is the the main uh-huh. form in the core where i create and i've created i've been creating and i will create more uh courses on learning how to learn. So there's courses on my bi-directional translation, how to use translation to um, to learn the fabric of, uh, of a language, so to get started, or learning two languages at the same time, um, or learning to speak English better, learning to improve your speaking skills. So on the one hand, I have services specific to uh, you know my coaching lessons. On the other one, I'm building um courses because i think that i'm just one person i Mm -hmm. wish i could help everybody but one-to-one lessons is you know can become aggravating if there's too many Mm -hmm. and so i decided to create this uh, website to help people uh to help people as much as i can where people can actually purchase the courses and they can enjoy it and obviously it's a community that is forming is growing and people can ask questions and and then i have webinars every week so that's uh, I'm I'm proud of that project because it's helping a lot of people and there's more and more people uh, jumping on the ship <laughs> so okay. it's not
0: off the ship but on the ship <laughs> we'll include links um, to both of those in our in our notes to this podcast yeah okay, fantastic I'm gonna spend maybe the next 30 minutes uh, pacing around my kitchen talking to myself <laughs> <laughs> <Try> <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll send you a recording <laughs> you have to test it immediately <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much Luca that that was absolutely fantastic
1: thank you Rob thank you it was a pleasure
0: So once again, a huge thank you to Luca. That whole topic of the psychological side of speaking is a really interesting one, and I love the idea that speaking different languages opens up different aspects of our personality. In our next show, I'll be talking with another polyglot, Shannon Kennedy from Eurolinguist.com. Shannon will share her tips for beginners, what are the do's and don'ts for when you're starting out or in the beginner stages of learning a language. Take care.